Kairos. This is your moment. Liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. We must participate in the public square. This is a moment in time that will define history as we know it, the furtherance of America as we know it. That's a powerful gift, freedom. And we're not gonna bow to tyranny. This isn't me standing, it's us. This is the moment for the body of Christ. We pray that there would be an awakening and a revival in the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, I, I have to tell you that with that introduction, it, it just brings uh, to mind how critical what we're doing is because this is a critical moment in history and especially for the country. As citizens of this nation, we have been inundated with this term called existential, existential crisis, existential crisis. We hear it ad nauseum. And in addition, uh, we're narrated to be told what we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to believe by a media that inundates us with what they consider to be priorities. A few months back, as we were watching cities burn throughout the United States, there was a cry for defunding police as though somehow that had any logic to it whatsoever. And the biggest place where they were pushing for that was in Minneapolis. Well, that didn't take long for people to realize the absolute stupidity of that idea. And, and bad ideas have consequences. Take a look at this OAN article. You have Minneapolis, a city which experienced scores of riots in May of last year, is now going back on its pledge to defund the police. In a unanimous vote on Friday, the city council decided to refund the police department, providing $6.4 million in additional funding. Uh, down below it says this came as residents continued to beg for more help amid a spike in violent crimes and complaints uh, over long police response times. Uh, that's a no-brainer. Everyone knew that this was going to happen, and the people that were the most affected by this, these stupid ideas were the people who live in those cities, and the city council has responded. And, and honestly, the city council legislatures, legislators in America, they govern by our consent, and the people are upset, and, and bad ideas have consequences. And, and we go on and on with this existential threat. And another thing, especially being Tuesday, I, I want Tuesday to be kind of a news day for everybody because uh, one of the things that is at the top of the food chain of, of the news cycle, and a number of flights have been canceled, a, a lot of folks have been affected. We know a number of people who live in Texas. They are experiencing temperatures in Texas right now that are the same temperatures as in Alaska. And you want to talk about an existential threat of global warming and climate change and all the stuff that they've been indoctrinating our children with. Well, the good news is, and you're going to see in this uh, Tucker clip shortly, uh, we've solved that problem. But now we have a bigger problem on our hands because, well, uh, the president uh, wants to do away with the, the Keystone Pipeline. He wants to have all these folks be unemployed and move away from fossil fuels. Take a look at this Tucker clip. And then I'll share with you a little bit about my thoughts. The Green New Deal has come, believe it or not, to the state of Texas. And we're here with the report. How's it working out so far? Well, the good news is all that alternative energy seems to have had a remarkable effect on the climate, as intended. Last night, parts of Texas got to temperatures 
that we see in Alaska. In fact, they were the same as they were in Alaska. So global warming is no longer a pressing concern in Houston. We've solved that problem. The bad news is they don't have electricity. The windmills froze, so the power grid failed. And so you think, well, you know, alternative energies, that's the way to save the planet. And now we're watching as uh, the, the planet's obviously cooled and these alternative energy sources are creating havoc and great trouble for the citizens of Texas. We're going to see that shortly. But don't be so quick to do away with the Keystone Pipeline and do away with fossil fuels. Uh, here we, we watch as we're attempting to do alternative sources of energy that are causing Texans to freeze to death. And uh, they had a solution on how to fix that. So they came in to deal with these frozen windmills and this is what they use. Take a look at this clip. You got a helicopter here that's being powered by fossil fuels, spraying chemicals to loosen uh, these alternative sources of energy with fossil fuels. Uh, and that wind turbine that you see is made by fossil fuels. And so um, these alternative fuels are doing nothing but freezing people and killing them in Texas. And yet fossil fuels are coming to the rescue. That is, uh, that's pretty tragic as far as I'm concerned. Amazing. And so uh, there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to share with you. It's another Tucker clip. And, and this one's interesting because I, Tucker's one of the few voices remaining <clears throat> on network television that seem to make any logical sense whatsoever. He, he also goes further with this insight into what we would consider this existential crisis of global warming, which apparently has been resolved in Texas and now people are freezing to death and we're having to use fossil fuels to save them. But Tucker has a take on it, and this is another clip. Take a look at it, if you would. Rather than celebrate and benefit from their state's vast natural resources, politicians took the fashionable route and became recklessly reliant on so-called alternative energy, meaning windmills. Fifteen years ago, there were virtually no wind farms in Texas. Last year, roughly a quarter of all electricity generated in the state came from wind. Local politicians were pleased by this. They bragged about it like there was something virtuous about destroying the landscape and degrading the power grid. Now, we're telling you all of this not to beat up on the state of Texas. It's a great state, actually. But to give you some sense about what's about to happen to you, to every state. And now, with the Keystone Pipeline being canceled by President Biden, we now have 11,000 American workers out of a job. We have two million Texans without power. They're freezing to death. We're having to bring in fossil fuel power driven helicopters, uh, spraying fossil fuel generated chemicals to loosen uh, these windmill turbines that have been frozen. And all the while the grid is shut down and the tragedy of it is, uh, and, and the stupidity of bad ideas have consequences. And, and I want you to see this. This is a Breitbart article. Take a look at this. You've got a, a Texas mother and daughter who died after heating their home with their car. Uh, they've got a number of folks who've tried to heat their house with, with uh, charcoal. They saved them. Uh, upon making entry, they found two adults, two children affected by carbon monoxide poisoning. Adult female, adult female child did not survive. The adult male and male child were transported. Uh, th this is just tragic, trying to heat their apartment with charcoal inside that apartment. That, that was in Houston. Folks are trying to stay alive, and this is the stupidity. Bad ideas have consequences. And listen, 
Uh, I'm, I'm all for saving uh, the environment. I, I love a, a pristine and clean environment, but these are just bad ideas. And we know what the attempt is. It's, it's just a transference of wealth. It's a shutdown of mental income. It's the same thing that we're happening, uh, what's happening with our local businesses as Amazon is taking it and Google's taking it and Costco's taking it. These are just bad ideas that affect all Americans. And I, I wanted to bring you to a place where you, you think wind turbine and solar is the answer. And, and they do have their place, mind you. They do have their place. But to think that they're going to be the absolute answer is not accurate. Uh, there's science on this. Take a look at these two Prager clips so that you understand better the extent to which we've been using turbine and solar power and that we've almost reached the limit on our ability to make this effective. Take a look at these Prager videos. Consider some simple physics realities that aren't being talked about. All sources of energy have limits that can't be exceeded. The maximum rate at which the sun's photons can be converted to electrons is about 33%. Our best solar technology is at 26% efficiency. For wind, the maximum capture is 60%. Our best machines are at 45%. So we're pretty close to wind and solar limits. Despite PR claims about big gains coming, there just aren't any possible. And I got one more for you. Uh, they start with that, but take a look at it as they develop it even more. Here's another Prager clip. Then there's the waste. Wind turbines, solar panels, and batteries have a relatively short life, about 20 years. Conventional energy machines like gas turbines last twice as long. With current plans, the International Renewable Energy Agency calculates that by 2050, the disposal of worn-out solar panels will constitute over double the tonnage of all of today's global plastic waste. Worn-out wind turbines and batteries will add millions of tons more waste. It'll be a whole new environmental challenge. You want to save the planet, and yet it's the wrong way to do it. People are freezing to death, and you're going to have landfills that are filled with toxic batteries and solar panels that are going to outlast their usefulness. We're going to have an environmental nightmare on our hands. All that to say that as we've been pressured with this term existential crisis, uh, the folks in Texas are not real worried about COVID-19. They're just trying to stay warm. But yet this is the pandemic that is on the forefront of all of our minds. And then they're telling us that the climate and the, and the, and the world is, is going to melt and yet we're seeing Texas frozen and, and people dying. Uh, these are dangerous, they're, they're problematic, but I, I, I think tonight I want to shift gears a little bit for all of us so that we can put what's important into perspective. Uh, yeah, COVID-19, it's, it's a great concern, uh, not just in our city, in our county, in our state, in our nation, and the world, but it pales in comparison to what we're about to talk about now. In addition, we think climate change is an existential crisis. Let me just tell you something. It pales in comparison to the topic we're about to talk about tonight. You see, this is a tragic, evil, horrific killer of human beings. I want you to see this world-a-meter. This is a crisis more deadly than COVID pandemic and more urgent than climate change. You can see here on the world health meter abortion. It's the fourth column down, and this year alone, 5,429,234, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 
That's how fast babies are dying. Human beings, the number one killer, 5,429,221,234. There you have it, folks. You see, we want to avoid that. We want to make abortion sterile. We want to drive by these clinics that schedule the death of human beings, and the church wants to ignore it. We want to elect ministers that declare it's okay to kill a baby and put them in a senatorial office and somehow say that Christians don't care about children outside the womb, only in the womb, and they come up with every crazy argument to somehow justify their apathy towards the most heinous, awful destruction of mankind, the number one killer, abortion. And with me tonight is one of the greatest voices for the unborn. And, and the Bible says to be a voice for the voiceless. And he is a remarkably gifted man. I'm grateful for him. You're going to see him as a regular, I don't know, guest on our program. And he's going to have his own as well. I want to connect you to all the stuff he's doing. He travels the country. He shares this, this truth. He does it in a loving manner. But he does it with indisputable facts. And so I want to welcome my good friend and brother, Seth Gruber. Hey, Rob. Welcome, man. Thank you, brother. So we're going we're gonna to dig in on this uh, tonight because as we're, we're looking at all these existential crises and global warming and, and COVID-19, and, and I, I heard you say that. I, I repeated it, but I, I learned it from you. Bad ideas have consequences. And, and we're watching just a, a clear picture just on the news. Bad ideas have right. consequences. Yeah. You're watching a, a fossil fuel-driven helicopter spraying fossil fuel chemicals to loosen the propellers of a frozen That's alternative right. energy. Uh, that, and we're trying to end global warming, but they're yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just You can't make this stuff That's up. That's right. Yeah. And the tragedy is people are dying yeah. because of these bad ideas. Yep. And, and, and who's driving these ideas and why are they doing it? And what's the purpose of it? Right. And, and you want to put everything into priority. Mm. Uh, uh, there's a worldwide focus on COVID-19 and a great concern. Yeah. The entire economy's been shut down. Families have been stifled. I've gone through all of the consequences of this. Yeah. But yet, the number one killer far exceeds anything this pandemic has ever yeah. seemed to have accomplished in, in its nefarious abilities. This killer is pervasive yeah. in the culture. Yeah, and you Talk know, you know what's interesting about what you were saying. By the way, uh, Pastor Rob, not just a pastor, but now my pastor. I'm privileged to have joined this church officially yeah, and to move to my you. family up here, and so we'll be spending a lot more time together. But the, something I noticed that was similar between all of these, and you already made the connection, is what is falsely called science. Yeah. Right, and it makes me think of when Paul's writing to Timothy. Right at the, at the end of First Timothy, he says, "O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane babblings and what is falsely called science." And that's exactly what the left has done um, to accomplish basically all of their political goals, is to just label what is actually an underlying philosophy or worldview science. Yeah. It's just science. It is. That's why you have to wear two masks, no one, no two, no not at all because it's not effective. That's why we have to label people who got bitten by a shark or shot in the head as dying uh, from COVID. It's just science. It's just, Rob, if you were woke, you would know that it's just science that actual human beings with human DNA and human parents actually aren't human beings or they're not human persons. Now, anytime you're, someone you're, tells you're, you... You're striking me as being very sarcastic. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> of course, anytime someone tells you it's a human but not a person, yeah. the one question you should ask them is, what's the difference? Yeah. And two, have you ever met a human that's not a person? 
Because I haven't, and I'm just wondering what that person might look like. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's convenient to be able to label somebody that doesn't have a voice. Yeah, that's right. And, and, um, and, and then you get to destroy them because no one defends them, and those who do defend them are ridiculed. And the yep. tragedy is, I, I understand a world that has a philosophy uh, that is bent and warped, but I have a problem with the church not defending the unborn. Right. And watching as professing Christians don't see this yeah. as one of the, the greatest violations of God's moral law. Yeah. And, and, and moral law, from moral law comes civil law. Right. And, and, and they say you can't, you can't legislate morality. Every law is based morality. on morality, somebody's. That's right. So from moral law comes civil law. Yeah. And, and all these ideas have consequences. That's right. But the church isn't supposed to participate in that legislative process. Yeah. The church isn't supposed, and I'm being sarcastic now, we're, we're not supposed yeah. to have a voice in this. Right. And, and, and then we justify our apathy and inactivity by, by those who would stand in defense of the unborn. We say, oh, and, and, and this is what we get hit with all the time. Oh, you only care about them when they're in the womb, not outside the womb. <laughs> right, right, right. Which, which is the biggest yep. lie. Yeah, yep. Because, first of all, who are, the, who are the number one folks to participate in the foster care program? Yep, Christians. Christians. Yep. Number one folks to participate in adoption? Christians. Yep. Number one country in the world that does adoptions worldwide? American yep. Christians. Yep. Natural disasters? Christians. C Christians yep. in, in America. Yep. And so uh, we've adopted. My daughter and her husband, foster parents, you know, it, we have said from the pulpit for, for 20, almost 21 years now, if there's a woman out there considering aborting her child because of, of expenses or what, we'll pay for the delivery of that baby and we'll find a home for that baby. Wow. I know of countless families that are willing to adopt a child right now. Yeah. And yet yeah. the church, some folks within the, the body of Christ would use that as an excuse to yeah. justify their apathy and inactivity because right. it's not popular in culture. Right. Yeah. So everyone has a standard. Yeah. The laws have to be based on some type of standard. And so it irks me to no end, Rob, that the institution that says they believe in one God, Yahweh, who created everything and is the only standard for a um, sort of moral compass, for an objective standard that we're all beholden to, whether, yeah. whether we acknowledge we're, his we're accountable to or him. not. The laws we, of yes. nature, nature's God. That's right. We yeah. will be accountable to him, and we are Endowed now... Endowed by our creator, right. So one might say the church is the only institution that can hold government to account. And as a far better student of history than I am, you could start spouting out examples of this. I mean, communist regimes have always gone after the church to silence yeah. them first because they are the only institution that can hold government to account. And that has in large part to do with the premises, the beliefs, the ideas that undergird that institution, the church. What, what ideas? That human beings are created in the image of God, that we're accountable to him, that we're going to stand before him and either be told, well done, good and faithful servant, or be thrown into the eternal fire. Uh, if we're accountable to him, then, yeah, there should be a little bit of a sense of fear associated with who you're going to look at at the end of your life. But there also should be a sense of joy that we get, a, we get to serve our Savior in seeking the good of the city and promoting human flourishing so that we can preserve the society best situated for the proclamation of the gospel of the God we claim to serve. Yeah, it, when, when, when mankind is created in the image of God, we have this ability to obtain uh, levels of excellence. And, and that's that idea of a Mago day that we obtain these levels of excellence. And, and 
the ancients would declare that the law is the wise restraints that make men free. So you apply restraints towards evil or those things that are debased in order to pursue excellence. And we want our kids to achieve that. Right. You don't go to the thing that is, is simple and, and, and requires no effort. Uh, you have to discipline yourself to achieve these greater accomplishments, yeah. to understand you know, deeper math and understand history and philosophical reasoning and to go after these. The only thing it seems like the secular progressive left can do is deconstruct and destroy. Right. They just come up with bad ideas and, and when you violate the laws of God, they're gonna, th those, they're, it's going to come back and hit you. Right. That's why we have the largest number of opioid deaths ever recorded in the history of the United States in these last 12 months. Right. Bad ideas have yeah. consequences. So what's the underlying assumption of the left? Why do they deconstruct everything? Why do they destroy everything? Why are they pro-choice? Why do they weaponize science and slap science onto and, their... And, and silence the church. Onto their philosophical bigotry. Yeah, and silence the church. Why is this? I think in denying the existence of an objective moral law that you're beholden to, um, all laws are simply transferred into sort of the subjective realm. So rather than rights coming from God, rather than embracing natural law and the recognition of the source of those rights, God right. himself, all, all laws are transferred into what we would call positive law, meaning that all rights actually just come from government. So we look to the government as our God yep. to give us the rights we feel we're entitled to, rather than working within the government to preserve the rights that the government was created to recognize and protect, yep. not to create. Inalienable rights. Inalienable. And Given well, by God. Our creator. Yeah. Who, by the way, was a zygote. Yeah. Right. And this yeah. this is one of the, we'll get to that one. One of the most difficult one. things for me about the silence of the church is that we say we worship a prenatal God. Our claim is that we worship an unborn baby yeah. uh, who entered human history in a womb that he once knit together. And so if all human beings are created in the image of God and God became a zygote, then every human being in a womb is being knit together by the prenatal God and therefore has the same intrinsic dignity as Jesus did as a zygote in Mary's womb. So yeah, that, re that requires logic. <laughs> and and, and, and what, you, what, what we've done in the church in America is it may be a mile wide, but it's, it's an inch deep. Right. We don't go into those philosophical understandings to realize our responsibility and to see that God speaks to every realm of, 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 of culture. Right. And, and he has a voice there. But they want to truncate or cause the gospel to be myopic where it's just simply a profession of faith and raising your hand so that we right. can get the numbers in and generate the ROI. Right. Because this isn't a topic that puts people in churches. Right. But it does save lives. That's right. Amen. It does transform culture. It does give Amen. value to the family. Amen. G.K. Chesterton, and I'll, I'm not going to verbatim quote him, but his idea was the government is always willing to care for the orphan or to care for the mother or to care for the grandparent, but never for the family as a whole. They separate the two because they must deconstruct the family in order to have control over the populace. Right. And, and government is not supposed to be our God nor our provider. They're a necessary evil. That's right. So. And as limited as they are, the yeah. better that they are. Yeah. But the reason why the left destroys everything is because they don't believe in an objective human nature that holds across time and space. Meaning you can't tamper with it. You actually can't change human nature. It is what it is because it comes from an objective God who created it. 
but they believe that it's endlessly malleable. Human, yeah. human nature is endlessly malleable, so you can tinker with human nature, right? They believe there's this science of history, right? And if we just get the formula right, then we can achieve perfect utopia. But there's endless historical examples of what has happened when we try to just treat human nature like clay to make it do our bidding. And usually what that entails is a power class that has put themselves above others because, of course, they believe that their human nature is not endlessly malleable. Yeah. Their rights are definitely objective and you shouldn't be able to abuse them. But as long as they can sit on high and dictate who gets to live and who gets to die, then everyone else's human nature is endlessly malleable as long as they're in control. And, of course, there's endless historical examples of this. Well, my, my point is that the same thing happens on the issue of abortion. We say that even though we once came from a womb <laughs> and that our mothers didn't exercise their right to choose, uh, you've got to be pro-choice and you've got to fight for a woman's right to kill her own unborn child or pay someone else to do it uh, because women have to be equal with men. And the only way they can do that to have equality in the workplace is to be able to kill the children that they usually create consensually. And there you go, human equality. But I, I, we have forgotten what Abraham Lincoln and so many of the abolitionists taught us, Rob. And, and that's this one simple truth is that Lincoln said that in Southern states' willingness to accept the institution of slavery and the premises that made it plausible in the first place. And what was the premise that made slavery plausible in the first place? They were less than human. Less than. Not all human beings were created equal. Right. In accepting that premise, Lincoln would communicate, and I, I paraphrase, that southern states were actually putting into place the premises that would justify their own enslavement. Yeah. And this is why Lincoln, in an imagined debate with a slavery supporter, says, you say A is white and B is black. So it is color then, I guess. The lighter having the right to enslave the darker. Ooh, take care. By this rule, you were to be a slave to the first man you meet with a skin fairer than your own. Yeah. And so when you ground an, human an, rights... An, an immutable trait. That's right. Which we've now returned to that we are dividing the country over an immutable trait. That's right. You're born with this, you are intrinsically evil. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. You're, you're racist because you, you, of your yeah. skin color. So yeah. it's just you're it's systemi the same... Systemically evil yeah. because of an immutable trait. Different side of the same coin. Yeah. But it, it, when you ground rights in things that human beings don't have in common, like skin color, like ethnicity, like gender, you actually destroy human equality because the only thing we have equal is that human nature. So if rights themselves are dependent on things that come in varying degrees, then what happens, Rob, is that rights themselves come in varying, varying degrees. degrees. And so now, but who gets to decide hang on, hang which on. capacities I, we got to pause this on a right to life? we got to pause this on a second because you were going to the right to life part, but I, I wanted to in, in, inject this first. When, when you segment these rights based on an immutable trait, well, you had women's rights advocates that are now struggling because the President of the United States has now said that biological right. males can contend, uh, can, can participate in female <laughs> right, sports. Right. I mean, every portion of their DNA is a biological male. They, they may associate female, right. but their body is male, and right. they are crushing all the women's records. Right. And women's rights advocates are like, there's no rights here. So they have been usurped. Right. And it used to be, you know, that, that drove the narrative, and now they're being snuffed out. Right. And they're just, they're just piling on, and right. it's just getting insane. Right. And, and I actually thought for a while that when this whole craziness started with there's more than two genders, I thought feminists would be more angry about that for the reasons you just stated. Well, they get canceled. Exactly, because you cancel femaleness. Yeah. You cancel women by saying that. But the, the, the deafening silence of the feminist movement writ large, I think, 
is answered by this one simple observation. It's the same thing we said before. Feminists, for the most part, are still secular humanists. Now, I know many Christians who say they're first-wave feminists. Okay, everyone's a first-wave feminist, that you should have full equality before the law. But, you know, once you get to second and third, third wave, now you have problems. So most feminists who are activists in their approach are, are not, they don't believe in a Judeo-Christian worldview. They're secular humanists. Many of the suffragists were, were Christians. That's right, but yeah. not in the modern era. Yeah. And so they accept the same premises that the radical left does, which is that human nature is endlessly malleable. So you have this clashing of worldviews. Ideas do have consequences, and bad ideas have victims. How can you explain that it's wrong to cancel women by saying there is no such thing as women and therefore destroying women's sports unless you acknowledge that there is an objective moral law, that there really are women and there really are men, and that's it. And so therefore they should be treated equally. You, you have to deny the premises of leftism in order to make any type of substantive moral argument for the immorality of what is happening. And the same thing holds true in the issue of abortion. And after a while, it's just going to become unmanageable. Because th there is nothing you're going to be able to say that will not put you in jail for offense of missing someone's gender identity. Right. And, and you have to memorize right. the countless ones that they're adding. And if you don't use the right pronouns. And, and this is where we're going. And really what it's doing is it's, it's causing us to war against one another. So they rise in power to control the stupid. Yeah. And, and we destroy any thought of science, science or rational thought right. or absolutes, and, and, and now we're just dumb. Yeah, yeah. And, and that where's the church? Yeah, that's the question. Where is the church? Whatever things are true. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to pursue that? Right. It's a study to show yourself approved. Right. Where's the education of mankind? Why has the church abdicated that? Why do they step out of education? Yeah. Why do they step out of the public square? Why have they caused the gospel to be truncated and myopic right. and, and make it all about just attendance and building sizes right. and budgets when really they should be... Breitbart said, Breitbart said politics is downstream from culture. Mm -hmm. right. The culture is downstream, it should be, from the church. Mm. That's right. But the church is adapting to culture because the church is content allowing mm. Jesus to be prominent but not preeminent. Amen. Yep. Christ is preeminent. We, we know where truth and beauty come from. Yep. So why wouldn't we seek to teach the truth and foster beauty? And I know that's something that you and I are committed our lives to, uh, to do. Um, to teach truth, to teach the next, to disciple disciples, yeah. and, to, and to teach them where beauty comes from and to foster that beauty. But yeah, the question, Rob, of course, is, is, is where is the church? And, you know, I care about many issues, and, um, you know, I have friends who are engaged in anti-sex trafficking work and um, lots of other important work, and, you know, if I have the time, I, I'm happy to go join them. Um, but I, I, I don't just focus on abortion because I, I'm called to it. I believe I have a divine calling. But it's not just that. I actually believe that in ending abortion and fighting against the injustice of abortion, I, I'm actually striking at the, at the soul of the republic itself. Because as I'm fond of saying, if you don't get the right to life right, you actually won't get any other right no, to right. No, it's done. And that, that does, that's nothing to demean other movements focused no. on justice whatsoever. And, and like I said, I would join them. Um, but it's just to say that the deterioration of justice throughout the country writ large, the, the deteriorating of our other natural rights, all stem back to the rejection of the right to life. And so if some human beings can be denied the right to life, unborn humans in this case, why not any other class of human beings? 
And then if you ground those rights on things that come in varying degrees, then why can't pro-choice arguments be turned right around to justify killing people already out of utero, outside the womb? We've already done you that. You plant these premises in the republic, and they have consequences. Ideas have consequences. Bad ideas have victims. And the left has been more focused on tilling the soil with their bad ideas than the church has been to plant good ideas yeah. into that soil and to weed out the bad ones. Well, and they also they acclimate to the left's ideas. Right. They, Syncretism. They, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's a great word. Yeah. And as they do that, the church just becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And well, why contend? Yeah. Liberty doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Why stand out? You're not going to get as many followers. You're not, right. not going to sell as many albums. Right. The, the church is no longer the conscience of the nation. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sad about that. Yeah. But, I, but I'd ask you this, Seth. If there's a silver lining in COVID, um, and, and I can just see the devastation it's already brought, it, it, by even the way that government has, has tried to bring the solution, the cure, has almost been worse than the virus itself, put all that aside. I think a silver lining on this is that it has been a refiner's fire for the church. Mm, yeah, I think Because so. people are awakening to this idea that these rights will dissipate rapidly. Mm. And whatever we right. thought we had in this republic is quickly becoming yeah. irrelevant. Right. And, and, and people you know, are being told to do things, they, they're being humiliated knowing it's not right and they're yeah. still being humiliated to do it. Yeah, right. Because we're not political. But we're not political. Right. And they're looking for voices and the church is silent. Right. And, and now the people that are responding and understanding what's at, at stake. Mm. And there's, there's, there's this strengthening of the spine of the body of yeah, Christ right. that I haven't seen in my lifetime and I'm moved by. Right. A, 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 almost a fearlessness. Yeah. And now they're revisiting the life mm. issue. Yeah. And folks are saying, what can I do? Yeah, I'm seeing that too. Because somewhere along the line, it just became not popular. Yeah. We've always been a pro-life, very engaged church, but, you know, oh, that's that church. Yeah. Show folks who are starting to now see clearly what's at stake. Right. They've, they've, they've put the pieces together. They understand now that this, this is a fundamental, critical crisis in the nation, and they, they're saying, okay, I, I want to participate in doing what's right. What yeah. do I do? Yeah. What do they do, Seth? Yeah, amen. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we can do, um, and, and there's many things that we have to do, but there's some things that we can do immediately to save lives, and, and that's never to discount the political battle because I actually believe that culture and politics is a two-way street. <laughs> I don't just believe that politics is downstream from culture. I think sometimes it goes the other way, actually, and we have examples of that with slavery. Um, but but if, if human beings, if, if eternal souls... Breitbart's not here to argue with you. That's right. <laughs> kind of a cheap gig. If eternal souls created in the image of God are having their deaths scheduled every week in your city, sometimes sometimes at a center that you pass on your way to work yeah. or on your way to church. If it were toddlers, what would you do, Christian? 
If it were toddlers, three-year-olds, let's say Planned Parenthood launched a new infanticidal arm, which, I mean, they, they basically do sometimes. But now it was legal, let's just say, to kill two-year-olds, three-year-olds. And uh, they call it reproductive health care because, you know, in killing three-year-olds, you're preventing them from reproducing. So if you're really woke, you'll understand that it's actually reproductive health care. And uh, Planned Parenthood was calling that, and the church was saying, we're not political, so we're not really going to contend there. We certainly won't tell you to vote to end the murder of two-year-olds. Um, but we, even more so, we wouldn't go stand outside of those centers and plead with moms to not take their two-year-olds in there. Yeah. Now, I understand the circumstances aren't the same. The children are in wombs, but they're equally valuable because they're created in the image of God. And 40 Days for Life is found because many abortion clinic workers, Rob, leave the industry during their 40-day yeah. prayer campaigns. And so they have had multiple former abortion workers tell them, uh, hey, um, hey, Christians, did you know that during the, your, you know, your prayer walks and prayer campaigns, uh, we would see upwards of 75% no-shows for appointments. Um, so, you know, that really pissed me off at the time, but now that I'm pro-life, I just want to thank you. I mean, they hear that all the time. Yeah. So, so, we're see so about almost 75% of children can be saved when what? When Christians show up? They show them pray. And isn't that, isn't that, wasn't that the genesis of the early church, by the way? Dying children on the side of the road who were exposed to the elements, that was a euphemism back then, who were rescued by Christians. And so you had this ethnically diverse early church because they were rescuing babies of yeah. different ethnicities and raising them as their own. Yeah. If God wants us to care about the orphan because his life is endangered because his parents are dead, how much more so should we care about the unborn whose life is endangered because his parents want him dead? Now, that doesn't mean that the unborn is more intrinsically valuable than the born orphan, but I'm just saying how much more timely is it to yeah. save the unborn whose life is endangered because his parents are scheduling his death on the calendar. And if we just show up and say, ma'am, ma'am, not yelling, not no. saying you baby, no, ma'am, 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 please don't kill your child. What do you need? Our church will pay for your groceries. We, we'll get you diapers for a year. We have a back house for you if you don't have anywhere to stay. Yeah. What do you need? Can we help you? And so I work with my friends at Love Life out of Charlotte, North Carolina. They just launched their first West Coast church partner. Guess where? Jack Hibbs. Yeah. Guess where the second one is? Here. <laughs> and, and they just come alongside the Church of Christ, Rob, to say, listen, what are you doing already? Let's encourage you. Listen, we've just built out this track for you to run on because it's kind of overwhelming to engage a Holocaust. Yeah. And it's kind of overwhelming to start a pro-life ministry if you've never done that before and God just broke your heart on it. Guess what? We've done it for you. Here's our four pillars. Prayer walks, sidewalk counseling, post-abortion healing, orphan foster care. Who's in your community and church that can um, step up to, uh, to implement this? And we'll just come along and partner with you, and we'll, we'll do prayer campaigns with you, we'll encourage you, we'll equip you, we'll train you. If the church was outside every abortion clinic in the country every day that performed abortions, we would end abortion in, this, in America. And I think because we'd be contending for the soul of the republic itself, for the premises of the republic itself, I think the politics would soon follow. Yeah. And I think we'd have a spiritual revival because God would bless this land, because we would turn from child sacrifice to pagan idols in order to pursue true equality, true justice, and the saving of innocent human beings, babies, who just like Satan was trying to murder under Herod and under Pharaoh, he's trying to murder now. And yet we are in a republic where we can actually end it. Yeah. You can just vote Herod out. You can just vote Hitler out. But we can engage in this political sphere as well. So it's a both-and battle, and that's what we're contending for. So you listed those four pillars, and one in particular we've been doing before you arrived, and that's Healing Hearts Ministry, where we're, we're ministering to post-abortive women who, you know, they, they don't know why they've been going through depression all these years. They don't know what, they, and, and they come face to face with it to find a God of forgiveness, a God of mercy, a God of grace. We're not here to condemn. We're not here to dump on people. 
But we are in agreement that this is wrong and it has to stop. Right. And instead of being part of the problem, be part of the solution. Amen. Okay, so we've all got it wrong. We all failed. Yeah. Quit pointing fingers. Roll up your sleeves and let's stop it. Right. it it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And it, it, it's almost as though, you know, we, we keep referring to slavery in, in, in illustrating abortion, but you can imagine that people who participated in an ancillary way with the slave work hmm. uh, really didn't believe in slavery, but benefited from it financially right. or culturally. They hmm. just didn't need to make waves because they would lose their position. Right. But once it hit, everyone just, it was as though the veil was removed and they yeah. just said, I'm so glad this is gone. Yeah. And, and wouldn't that be a glorious day? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Because I think as long as we continue to, to turn our back on natural rights for some, we can have no faith that we'll have natural rights for all. Yeah. And there is no more of a fundamental natural right than the right to life. All other rights presuppose that right. It, it says that in our birth certificate. That's right. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created yeah. equal, endowed by their creator, with certain inalienable rights among those being, and they begin with it. That's it's right. the primary, first of all, because without it, everything else is worthless. Yeah. Life, yeah. then liberty, then the pursuit yeah. of happiness. And I think, and I'll, uh, if we're close, ending on time here, I'll end with this thought. I think, Christian, in not contending and fighting against this atrocity, not only will you be failing the second most important commandment, which is to love neighbor. And what's the most important way to love a neighbor that it's legal to kill, to make it illegal to kill them? Uh, so yes, we, we, we're all failing if we're not doing that. But I think there's a, sort of a deeper consequence for our souls, actually, if, if we don't contend and fight against yeah. this genocide. You know, I've been reading through um, Rob Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies. And he mentions the Polish anti-communist dissident by the name of Ch uh, Czesław Milos. And Czesław Milos, um, he, I, didn't, I don't believe he coined this term, but he used this term called ketman, and it was a Persian word. And it referred to the outward appearance of adopting Islamic faith while inwardly dissenting. Mm. That was the word, it was called ketman. And it was, it was sort of a <clears throat> philosophical, metaphysical strategy um, that, that you would resort to to go through all of the motions of looking like a Muslim and, and portraying Islamic orthodoxy while inwardly dissenting, yeah. while inwardly saying, but I don't really believe this. Yeah. And, and Czesław Milos talked about this term ketman um, and sort of as a strategy that sort of anti-communists would adopt. But their, their dissent didn't actually mean anything because they weren't actually working to end communism. It was just like, a, I dissent, I don't like communism inside, that's what I feel. <laughs> but I mean, you were going through all of the outward appearances of, of being okay with communism. And, and Rod Dreher makes the point that, that Ketman is the worst type of hypocrisy um, because it actually changes you. An actor who inhabits his role long enough actually becomes the actor that he portrays. And that's what he says. And so I think there's actually like a metaphysical atrophy that's going to happen and this has been happening in the church that as long as we continue to say things like what? What would this look like? This inward descent on abortion. I'm personally pro-life. 
That, that would be the, the biggest example. Yeah. I would not kill my child, or many parent, grandparents would say, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't want my daughter getting, I would tell my daughter not to get an abortion, to not murder my own grandchild, but I think it should remain legal because, you know, I shouldn't legislate that opinion. So you're inwardly dissenting to abortion, but it makes no difference because yeah. outwardly you're going through all of the same secularly liturgical um, patterns of, of giving permission to the current state of affairs, to the status quo. And Rod Dreher would say, and I'll finish with this, that your soul will rot and that, that your moral compass will become skewed and you will become a different person because you will become the actor that you're portraying. So not only will your uh, personality and spine decay, but all of society as well, who inwardly says, I don't like this, but is not doing anything to end it. He who knows what is good and does not do it to him, that is evil. It's, it's, yeah. James. It's, it's, it's a job we gotta do. Yeah. It's not pleasant. We don't enjoy it. Yeah. But that's a reality of what we're faced with. And that's the conviction. We're, it's his kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom of life. Right. Amen. And children are to be protected and cared for. And families are to flourish. And government mm -hmm. has a limited role. Yeah. And it, it certainly shouldn't be in the killing of children. <laughs> right? Seth, how do folks get in touch with you? Um, so we'll be doing a lot more here together at Godspeak, but I have a podcast that's called Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Uh, it's, it's funny because we're all unaborted, right? As Reagan yeah, yeah, yeah. said, I've noticed everyone who's for abortion has already been born. So everyone who's pro-choice is grateful that their mother uh, wasn't. Uh, so you can follow that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, we're also building the YouTube channel so you can watch it if you like to watch it as well. Um, and if you, we're about to launch two episodes a week on my podcast. Mine's been one a week for almost two years. So people will begin tuning in for me once a week, updates, what's happening politically, what's happening culturally, how do we impact these ideas, and secondly, a guest once a week. So we'll be moving to two episodes soon on, on my podcast. We're going to have Pastor Rob on plenty of times to talk about the church, what we're contending for here, what we're trying to get California churches and pastors to wake up to. Uh, and engage with. You can visit my website, sethgruber.com, or just continue to tune in uh, to uh, Vintage McCoy. Yeah, Vintage McCoy. <laughs> it's because I'm getting older. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Seth, for, for joining us. And you're, I, wanna, I want to make this issue ongoing, if not every week, almost every week. Because, again, if we don't get this right, the rest of it is just semantic. It's just a waste of time. That's right. This is so critical. To, to the future of the church and of the nation, but more importantly, to the lives of these kids. Yeah. This, this, this breaks the heart of the Lord. So yeah. thank you, Seth. And it's, it's a joy having you here. We're honored to have you a part of the fellowship. And we're honored all to in. be here. Thank we're you, all brother. In, man. <laughs> all right, folks, we're going to close with a blessing tonight uh, out of number six. It's our tradition. We've been doing it a while. And tonight it's fresh, as it always is, because the word of the Lord is fresh. And it's for you. This one's for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so with that being said, uh, we, we thank Seth for being with us tonight and our second episode of Vintage McCoy. Ah, and, you got awesome. to be, and you got to be a part of the very first uh, news like segment. There you that go. was kind of Tuesday fun. News yeah. Day. yeah, Tuesday News Day, I guess. We'll, we'll come up with something. And then uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, but I, I just want you to know, please support this man and, and connect. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button for our YouTube channel, do that. Uh, we're also, we're going to have different areas where you can follow us in case uh, the tech oligarchy wants to get rid of us. You'll see it all on there. But this is how we're going to do it. We're going to be a source for all of you. And you're going to grow strong because our job is to make disciples, not converts. That the church would not just be a mile wide, but it would be deep Amen. and it would be full of wisdom. 
So may God bless you and keep you, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.